My name is Daniel Miller. I'm your servant host, and this is the Discipleship Conditioning Podcast. Anatomy Academy. And today we have our first episode of 2024 for the podcast Discipleship Conditioning. In each episode, we go through a chapter of the Bible. We started this about four months ago and began in Matthew. And so we're now to Matthew 20. And so without further ado, let's begin with that process in Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. You know, the first thing I think of, take this literal, even though that's not the intention, it's it's a parable of sorts, it's an analogy, but the first thing my mind goes to is early in the morning. And personally, I have a difficult time getting up in the morning, and it's an excuse, but it's something that I've excused my entire life. And uh, maybe you can relate with that, maybe you can't. And so when I take this literal and I say early in the morning, it makes me think of missing out, that I'm not there to be hired. Again, even though this is an analogy, uh, that's where my mind goes with this. So I think how often have I been available early in the morning to be hired by God? Uh I've talked a lot about before giving your first fruits, not only your best fr- fruits, but your first fruits to God. And this resonates with that. Furthermore, how many of us sleep with our phone directly next to us on our nightstand? It's the first thing we see when the alarm goes off. A couple years ago, I got an Apple Watch to allow that to vibrate and wake me up to sort of help with that process. But how often do I wake up and I go directly to where my charger is to make sure the alarms are set off there. And while the intentions are fine, how often does that lead to me scrolling through my phone or checking an app or looking at notifications? Uh, even my watch does that. You know, a lot of times we'll watch football games the next day. And with that, I wake up intending to watch the football game from the night prior, and I'll be spoiled just on a notification on my watch that'll tell me who won. So I want to be more intentional with that, and I encourage you as well, too. First thing in the morning, are we giving our first fruits to the Bible? Are we giving our first fruits to God? Or are we checking our phone, and is that leading to X, Y, and Z? Something to think about. And going out, this is Matthew 23 through 4, and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. Well, if we keep with that analogy of first fruits, first thing in the morning, how gracious is God to provide those of us that wake up at 9 a.m. an opportunity? And as we read further, find out a similar opportunity than the others had. In fact, it's paid the same at the end of it, which is the purpose of this parable. Those who accept Jesus early get the same reward as those who accept Jesus late. So I think how gracious is God to provide us from that opportunity. And I think back to my experience uh, in my early 30s in coming to God 
and wondering, why did the earth not end in my 20s? Or why did I not succumb to something stupid that I did and perish? And it overwhelms me when I think about it to think that God is so gracious, he provided me that opportunity later on. And in this analogy, God goes a second wave and hires those and rewards them in the same as the first, even though they didn't get up when they were supposed to. Now, certainly we don't take advantage of that, but how gracious is God that that that, that occurs? And even yet, how often do we tell God, no, I, I've got this, I'm good. Case in point, me when I was 27 years old, going back to school in the midst of it, stresses at an all-time high, and how many times did I consciously and subconsciously tell God, I'm good, I've got this, no problem. And that resonates with me because when I was 32, 33, I remember distinctively falling to my knees and saying, God, I've tried it my way 176 times, and it does not work. I turn my life over to you. And even since then, how often am I living that on a daily basis? How often am I still acting as though I'm a control freak and saying, no, I've, I've got this. I'm good. Even though I've turned my life over to God. What are we saying with words? What are we saying without words in terms of, I've got this? Are we literally saying, I've got this? No, I'm, I'm going to be a control freak and I'm good. I've got this. Or are we subconsciously saying that? You know, it makes me think to growing up with my father. <clears throat> and my father would say, you might as well just say this, or you might as well just do this. And I'd say, I, I would never do that. I would never say something so hurtful. That's not what I mean. But my actions spoke that. And that was his interpretation that I was, I was disrespecting him. And I may as well have just come out and said it. In fact, I think he'd have more respect for me in those years, in my teenage years, to, if I'd just come out and said this. So something to think about. In Matthew 20, verse 7, we read, they said to him, because no one has hired us, he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Now this one really resonates with me. How often do we not do something in our lives because we haven't been hired or we haven't been called? I would venture to say it's not that we haven't been hired or called, it's that we're not listening for that calling, for that hiring opportunity. But again, how gracious is God? that he hires us despite our idleness and despite our imperfection and despite our laziness, if you want to be bold and call it that by sleeping till 9 a.m. How can we be so idle, but at the same time be these control freaks that control everything? It just, it doesn't make sense. And I'm, I'm genuinely speaking to myself here and perhaps a younger version of myself, but it's just, spoken out loud. It just doesn't even make sense. How can we be control freaks, but then be idle with our lives and yet still have God who is so gracious that he's patient with us? Now, I'm, I'm a philosophical person. I'm a very deep thinker. I often ask the deep questions, the hairy questions, the questions that shouldn't be brought up at Thanksgiving dinner, those sorts of things. And so it's not uncommon for me to arrive at what is the meaning of life and come to Jesus in that sort of way. But even though I'm a philosophical thinker, I'm a deep thinker, I still have periods of idleness in my life. And again, have periods of being an absolute control freak and try to take over every little situation. 
And I, and I think back to my 20s and how that affected those around me very negatively. But now I think almost personally in my own life, how negatively am I impacting myself by being a control freak? It's almost as though I've given up control for everything outside of me and told God that he can have that part of my life. But then when it comes to me internally, I'm still controlling that. It just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And it's, and it's a reason why this podcast is so beneficial because certainly I hope that the words that I speak and the words of scripture resonate with you and get you thinking. But much like I learned as a professor of anatomy and physiology, a vast amount of my learning experience has been teaching it. And as I sit here and speak from the depth of my heart with you, I find myself learning some of these things and speaking these things out loud because they need to be spoken and I need to hear them. I'm reading a fantastic book right now. I'll bring it up right now. It is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer and so packed full of, of gems, absolute gems. I'll turn for a moment to page 55. One page off. I turn to page 56. First, first time though, not too bad, one page off. We read a quote from John Mark Comer on page 55 of his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It says, in the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. So if I'm going to be idle and I'm going to be a control freak, what does that look like when I'm 70, 80, 90 years old? God willing that I live to be that long. What does that look like? It's definitely something to ponder and consider. And what does it all mean? Here I am with a philosophical thinking, all these deep questions. What does that mean? You know, the Bible says something to the effect on what, what was the value of the soul if somebody just gave it up so they could experience life. That's quite a bit of a paraphrase, but I think you understand what I'm getting at and perhaps even the verse that I'm referring to. Um, what, what would it mean to our eternity with God if we sold our soul just to experience these wonderful things in life, if we continued being a control freak? And what would it mean if we just continued with idleness and we sat there waiting to be hired, but we didn't have our ears open, we weren't in tune with what God was calling for our lives because we're so busy and distracted from everything that we have going on in our lives with our devices in front of us. And also within this book, it mentions that you take away smartphones, running water, and a few other essentials, and what do you get? You actually get an increased happiness. If you talk to somebody from 1930 who wrote papers by hand and you say, uh, how about I give you a typewriter? To us, a typewriter is like, man, that's, that's so slow. Like, I can't even do anything with that. To them, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so much quicker. Then you give that person the most basic computer that can you can type it up once, but then it's saved and you can print it from there. And their mind is blown. I'm going to be so efficient with these, these, these new forms of technology. To us, it's like, yeah, word processing is no big deal. We've got that. I still have to type it out, though. So fast forward, way forward. And now we're in the world of AI and we're like, 
oh, I'm not going to do that assignment. I'm not going to do that paper. I'm just going to have AI do it for me. And yet I'm still inconvenienced because it takes me too difficult of a prompt to make AI that I actually have to do so that I can get the objective, whatever I'm trying to get. You see what I'm saying here? You think of how drastically things have changed in 100 years and our happiness has suffered. You increase our productivity with all these technological advances, but our happiness hasn't gone with it. In fact, if you look at people 100 years ago and further, generally, they were much happier than we are today, despite not having most of what we consider normal. Can you imagine going back in time and handing somebody a smartphone? What kind of reaction that would get? But to us, it's just, it's basic. It doesn't operate fast enough. We have to upgrade to the next version of the phone because the processor's too slow and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm doing a separate computer here live today. I'm transferring things from a cloud storage to a local storage I, I, based on preference. Prefer everything to be local here and, uh, and whatnot. And I'm running into some issues with cloud storage. But nevertheless, I'm transferring maybe 10 gigabytes at a time, which is probably the video format of about two, two and a half of these podcast episodes that we publish. We'll round it down to two. So I'm, I'm transferring two podcast episodes at a time and it's taking maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And how easy it is to think, oh my goodness, that's, that's ridiculous. That's way too slow. I need to upgrade this. I need to upgrade that. I need to make sure I'm on a wired connection directly into the router or whatever the case is or directly connect with Thunderbolt cable or whatever. You, you get what I'm saying. It's, it's interesting to think in that way on how much we take for granted. In Matthew 20, 18 and 19, we read, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. You know, if you and I were told, foretold that about ourselves, how many of us weasel out and find a way to kind of get away from it? I think of this often with my lack of sales ability. I feel like I'm the worst sales rep ever. But in some ways, I resonate with this in a opposite way that is exciting to me. For instance, if I was to try and sell you on the idea of Christianity, say in China or India, I'd say I'd tell you about Jesus and I'd share the gospel like we do on the podcast here. And I would say, you might actually be killed for this. You want to join? You see how from a modern sales perspective, that doesn't really work too well. Um, but who who are we following in, in our, is it worth that we follow? And clearly with Jesus, it was worth that we follow, regardless of what happens to our skin and flesh, whoever persecutes us or even kills us. But here we read this, and I don't want to discount the marvel at being raised on the third day and the prediction, the prophecy of that coming true and all the things that Jesus fulfilled is astounding. And to a philosophical, scientific brain like myself, it entrenches my faith all the more. But thinking of it from a stance of, if I was to be told that this would happen, am I going to follow that person? 
if I'm told that this is going to happen to me, am I going to try and find a different way out? Or like we're talking about with idleness here, am I going to do nothing? And we often think that doing nothing is no choice at all, but it's still a choice. Regardless of, of what we choose not to do, we're still choosing not to do it. We're remaining idle. And while our happiness is decreasing over the last hundred years, and our, the technological advances are increasing and efficiency is through the roof, I think we're often making a choice, maybe because we're so overwhelmed, I'm not quite sure, but a choice to do nothing. I feel like if I go to a waiting room or a restaurant and I look at people, it's like we're turning into zombies. We're just staring at these devices and there may as well be drool coming out of the corner of our mouth. The waiting room, you, you don't you don't go in there and strike up a conversation with someone like that. That happened years ago, but now it's like, what a weirdo. Just sit down and get on your phone and scroll, you know? On date night at, at a restaurant, you go in and you see a, ca- a couple who has perhaps intentionally set aside a few hours on that Friday evening to be together. And what are they doing? They're just on their phone. Like you could have done that at home. That's not the point that you could have done it at home, but you get what I'm saying. If I'm in line somewhere to get a coffee, how hard is it to just leave my phone in my pocket and and do something crazy, like strike up a conversation with the person next to me? It's, It's interesting how we've changed. Matthew 20, 20 and 20, excuse me, Matthew 20, 26 through 28. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is mentioned so often in scripture, particularly in the gospels over and over and over. First is last, last is first. Uh, It's difficult for a rich man to enter heaven, indicating that you experience your best life here on earth and you value this and you covet this and you idolize this. It's going to be difficult for you to meet the requirements of submitting yourself to Jesus Christ and accepting what he did on the cross in order to have a savior and to be able to experience eternity with God so backwards to the way that we as humans think. We think first is first. You hear things like second place is the first place loser and all this emphasis on anything other than the glory associated with first place. Have you ever got first place? I have quite a few times and it's just not satisfying, is it? There there might be that moment of hoo-ha, but there's nothing resonating with it. But have you gone and given some money to a barista or a waitress? Have you opened a door for longer than five seconds for somebody that is maybe too far away for you to open the door for? Have you gone down to the food bank and helped? Have you served during the holidays, whether that be food to the homeless or something else? And how long does that resonate? Much longer, much longer than the award for being first place in a particular event. Jesus is not only on to something in how he conducted his life here on earth, 
in how he tells us to conduct our lives. And that is so clearly evident in what we're commanded to do and who Jesus is and who our Lord and Savior is. But beyond that, he provides a framework for us to live our lives like he did. And as difficult as it may be for us to drop that control freak mentality and submit and do it his way, he's always right. And it always weighs more. It always provides more fruit. You always walk away from serving the needs of someone else, feeling phenomenal about it for a longer period of time than you would if you got first place in a, in a race somewhere. It's interesting that so many people read Scripture and it, it appears to them that following Jesus is about giving everything up. And I can speak in my life, and I'm sure you can as well, how many times you've given something up in your life but received 10 times more because you did it with pure heart and you did it the way that you're commanded to do it. Tithing is an example for me over the last year or so, committing to tithing and what I've got back in return. It's incredible. And if you haven't experienced, I invite you to experience it. I hope that you are enjoying the new format of the podcast. We're trying to produce a really good podcast, both on Mondays with the Biblical Anatomy podcast and on Wednesdays with the Discipleship Conditioning podcast. I hope you enjoyed the holidays with your family. I've got some new Eagles gear, even though the Eagles have been disappointing me as of late. Um, still been a fan since I was about three or four years old, and my beautiful wife got me some new gear here. And... Uh, Enjoying, enjoying that process and enjoying the production of this and entering 2024 and everything that we have going on. The podcast flow that we have may change in the future, but uh, we, we like the way that it's dialed in right now, and we hope you do as well. We hope you like the new music. I'm even trying a new camera angle here, and uh, hopefully it all comes together the way that it's supposed to. And regardless of whether lighting's good or the camera angle's good, we pray that our message encourages you, and we pray that it encourages you specifically to open your Bible. In fact, we pray that we say something in the first five minutes of the podcast episode that has you turn off the podcast episode and open up your Bible, because that's what is most important after all. We love you, and we thank you for your time. We wish you nothing but the best, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. God bless. We want to sincerely thank you for listening to today's episode and conclude properly with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.
brother. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that this show is bringing you joy. It's bringing you peace. It's increasing your proximity to God. And it's helping you add on serious muscle mass. That's what God's provided us the gift to do. It's to understand how the human body works, to put as much muscle on it as possible, which we understand is a unique challenge, not present to everyone, but it's a challenge that's present to you and I. And so we hope that today's episode and all episodes are encouraging you and helping you in that endeavor. Now, if you're like me and you're listening to this part of the episode, you probably are the type that has to listen to the entire episode or it doesn't count. Or maybe you're just stuck in traffic and you can't turn the podcast episode off at this point in time. Or maybe you are like me and when you read a book, you have to read the entire book, including the copyright information. I know it's a silly, silly endeavor, but we are the way that we are and God made us perfectly. We are the only creation of his that is made in his image. And with that in mind, I'd like to encourage you further and provide you a couple resources that will be of immense benefit for you. The first is a one repetition maximum calculator. This calculator is made through a spreadsheet and it's laid out very well for you to estimate how strong that you have got over a specific period of time. There is a video on this landing page as well that'll instruct you how to use it. But if you need further instruction, please go to our homepage at biblicalanatomyacademy.com and schedule a coffee session with me where we can talk about the uh, one repetition maximum calculator. To get the one repetition maximum calculator, you'll want to go to biblicalanatomyacademy.com slash one RM. You'll enter in your name and email and you'll get access immediately to the spreadsheet that we have created. Also of value would be a template to get you started as you begin to design new programs to break through plateaus as we instruct. This program that we have, this template, utilizes all the percentages that we preach and we believe is the best tool for you to break through those plateaus. You can access it at biblicalanatomyacademy.com template. You enter your name and email and you'll get an immediate download for the spreadsheet that we have created that allows you to put any of your exercises in any of those one repetition maximums in and use the document for success long term. Again, if you need assistance with either of those spreadsheets, the one repetition maximum calculator or the template we have created at Biblical Anatomy Academy, please go to our homepage at biblicalanatomyacademy.com, scroll down and click the green button for coffee and we'd be happy to meet with you over a cup of coffee or water or pre-workout or a protein shake whatever suits you best, so we can instruct you moving forward in life, in fitness, and in love. We thank you for being here. We thank you for listening all the way to the conclusion. Uh, We hope that you listen to a further episode and enjoy, and we hope to have future correspondence with you. God bless, and we love you.